Hello and welcome to Worthy Watchers Weekly ish, close to weekly. <laughs> my name's Anthony. Of course, I'm joined by my bro Ransom. Hello. <laughs> and we're here to talk a little bit about a show that we started getting into. And I think uh, we got to, what was it? Three, two, two episodes of it, which was six episodes of the part two season. And then we got kind of off the rails because we started yeah. getting into another great show called Peaky Blinders. And we're going to get back to that very, very shortly too. Right. Indeed. Which uh, speaking of Peaky Blinders, where are we at with that? When does when does it drop on Netflix, the final season? Netflix, I believe it's the first or second week of June Ooh, is when okay. they get it. Exciting. Yeah. Okay, so that might actually end up working out best for us because we might just yeah. get right back in and then we steamroll right into the into the next season. We, we might, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, at any rate, Attack on Titan. It's been a minute. We're coming back into it. And what I thought we'd do instead of doing the normal routine with, you know, discussing the episodes and stuff like that, we know you've watched them, right? If you're watching this, you've watched the episodes, you know what happened, and you've been a part of a ton of different conversations. We're sure. Attack on Titan has taken the world by storm in a lot of ways, it seems like. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about that storm, you know, where the community is talking, how we feel about like a lot of the different things we're hearing about the show. Um, we wanted to talk shop about some of our favorite characters and like where they're progressing to. And then I wanted to ask Ransom where he's sitting with it. If he thinks they can kind of like swing the home run at the final, final bat for when we go up to eventually final season part three of season four <laughs> which is just so ridiculous it is yeah so without further ado let's get into that first part ransom one of the things that i think we've been hearing a lot on the internet is kind of a conversation about the themes of this show and some of the topics it's addressing clearly aaron deciding that genocide is a great thing uh, is obviously number one of the e subject matter. But uh, do you think that that subject matter is trying to justify that kind of a thing or empathize with that kind of a thing? Or is it about something else? Where are you at with that? Um, it's, I do think it's hard to tell. Um, because I, th I think from from my perspective, watching it on its own, I, I can see that they are focusing more on uh, the, the other characters, you know, like seeing the idea of, of redemption and wanting to learn not to fight from Rhina and Annie um you know and then also you know seeing the change in perspective of what war is from um armin and mikasa and jean like it's 
you can you can see that they're they're trying to to make this story very much like war is war and it's not like something that's like it's it's not something that's romantic it's not something that's you can't dress it up yeah um and but if if i'm watching this and then seeing others reaction around this story it's hard to feel like they are actually addressing that idea because totally can we just bridge that real quick here because i definitely want to talk a little more into that and i i knew you would go there like how do you feel when like people are like yeah but like aaron's right though I'm like, hi. It makes me feel icky. Yeah. It makes me feel icky. Very Um, icky. Yeah. It's like, no, no matter who it is, no matter the person's background, creating supremacy and creating a environment and structure based off violence towards others any kind of of ideology like that no matter where you come from is wrong it doesn't matter what you've been through it doesn't matter who you are it is wrong you know, like any kind of violence. It doesn't matter if you were a victim before. You, part of, of living and learning as you, and, and growing is learning to be a part of the world and not let the world consume you. Yeah, no, I think that that's a really good point. Um, it, it's very interesting, right? Uh, from the beginning, we've seen these titans devouring humanity, right? And now we're learning what they are and that the titans are us, in a sense, or members of humanity, and that they were created by the worst elements of humanity. Um, It's interesting that Aaron is now, after being devoured, in a sense, by that ideology of being trampled upon he's now going to trample others and that's where we get into the reality of what we're talking about in attack on titan domination that's what this is it's it's talking about supremacy like you were saying and resorting to absolute extremes in order to justify your existence right Mm. and if we're going to exist as a society and move forward as a society um and as people together you have to embrace other people and learn that you cannot you can have disagreements and you can have different ways of being but as soon as you resort to dominating someone else and seeking to justify that conclusion, 
that's when you've lost any any position of morality at all And I think that's what we're kind of discussing here um, is that culture of domination on all sides, right. Of, of any conflict. I mean, in reality right now, look at the state of the world, we're all trying to exist and deal with the fact that, you know, we're seeing more and more skirmishes break out between peoples and they go to the next step and the next degree. And it's just because Nobody wants to get down to the table and talk. They just want to win. They want to have victory. They want to claim their rights over others versus a shared right to be. Um, And that's what, you know, we go back to with the whole getting the kids out of the forest. We've got to make that stop. We've got to get them out. And so these are the things that we're really talking about. It was never about trying to justify or empathize with Aaron's actions necessarily, It's trying to explain how any one of us can become that way if we lose that reality. And if we believe that there's no other choice. So many times, so many times, the the dialogue reflects that. Armin at the beginning, embracing different paths and trying to reason his way out of things. That's the only way they move forward. And... One of the greatest moments I thought was when we get that scene with uh, Connie and Armin and them fighting their former friends. And now they realize that they've been on the side that they were hearing Bertolt say to them before. And that's pretty crazy. They were exactly put into that position now. But the only difference is they're trying to stop domination. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that is like in their own way, Reiner and Bertolt were doing that too. They were just doing it by dominating others. And right now, the only difference here is Armin and company in the reversal side, they're trying to stop the domination of one person. They're not trying to dominate others. And that's the yeah. only difference there. Yeah. And I think people lose sight of that fact. They get obsessed with the idea that it's the same thing. And it's like, no, no, no. There is detail that you have to get into. And it requires people to turn their thinking brains on. And a lot of people don't want to do that. And that's what we're seeing in Twitter all the time. It's shocking. Yeah. There are way too many people that are like, oh, Flock is my boy. Get Shut up. The King Flock shit, I just, I need to just Get stop that right now. Get like, none of that. Stop. God. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between understanding how a character is put into that position versus trying to, like, radicalize them into a message about, like, yeah, that's a, that's somebody to aspire to. Yeah. It's shocking like, to me. Yeah, like somebody who has has learned to enjoy killing others because they're different. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. flock is. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. If, and it if, and it's crazy. Yeah, if anyone out there is listening to this and agrees with flock, you're messed up. Go to therapy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would. I would recommend you. 
think about what exactly you're trying to amplify there, right? And on the note of amplification of awkward ideas, the other thing that this show does a lot, and this is something that I've really wanted to talk about, blood libel. This is a, a conversation that we can't ignore in here because of Isayama, Isayama using direct imagery from history in order to bring us to this point. Uh, one of the worst mistakes I think he ever did was introducing the armbands for the Marlians inside of, uh, or the honorary Marlies, Marlians inside of um, the uh, uh, New Liberia, inside uh, the, the members of Paradiso that were left behind. Uh, it is too close to the nose to history, and it seeks to try and make certain people use that as an argument uh, for someone trying to justify really terrible things in history and doing a both sidesiness to a genocide that occurred in real life. And that's one of those things, again, that we talk about with turning on our thinking brains, our empathy brains, uh, and using both to come to an understanding of what really the message is here. Uh, I don't think Isayama ever tended to justify blood libel and use that as an excuse for other people doing their sins. However, that doesn't mean that that's accidentally the case here. And that doesn't mean that certain people have latched onto that. The imagery of right-wing ideology is ever present in Isayama's work. And for a lot of it, I think that's intentionally so as a way to bring it to somebody's conversation as a thing that that's wrong. Unfortunately, other people don't see it way. Ransom, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I'd agree. I, I, and, you know, that goes back into the, you know, seeing people's comments on social media about this show. Um, and, and I, I think that there are times where, this show um, gets a bit too gratuitous. Um, yeah, and what can you bring up some examples of that? Like as as far as like, I th- I think there are too many times where it it wants to show like, hey, this is bad, but it's it pushes it it pushes it to, to a sense of like, oh yeah, this, like, we're going to make this so like action-packed and look really cool. And like, that, that's, that's great. Like it's, it's cool to see anime done in that way, but like the whole flock thing of him, like, you know, like evading all of their attacks to hit the boat and then like get shot down it's like there's the way it's done at least in the anime is that this is done to portray something very action-packed very like cool looking you know and i feel like people see that and they're like whoa that's so sick 
like that character did something really fucking cool and it's like no he's still a bad character like you know like there are some things done in in this that like i feel like they tried to make like too action-packed where it could just be very simple in what it's doing yeah if i could add on to that uh moment as well you know there's a um there's a line right there as well that requires, again, people turning on that thinking brain, right? Mm-hmm. The following scene where he just like, they do this buildup, like he's about to, this is his moment, this is his shot. And then he gets shot out and he falls so ungracefully yeah. in that following scene. That is where we get onto our thinking brains because all of that buildup, right. all of that hype, that meant nothing. He's gone, he's dead, nothing occurred. It was meaningless and it had no meaning because all it is is just violence. Right. And that's kind of where we turn on our thinking brains like, oh, well, that's an interesting way to talk about that. That's that's an interesting point. But I would say a scene for me that was gratuitous and I, I really have to try and figure out how I feel about it. In the manga, there is no scene where Mikasa throws the fuck down and not only beheads a dude, yeah. but leaves his body to be exploded by a thunder spear afterwards yeah. with all the blood and gore on her a scene later. Yeah. That, that is very gratuitous and very violent. And that is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it looked mega yeah. fucking cool. But, like, I don't know what exactly the extraness of it brings other than that cool factor because we already know their hands are bloody their hands are stained we had that scene with connie and armin that already drove that point home right yeah so did we need a following up scene where the blood literally gets on mikasa and like you could say that that's symbolism for that but we just had all that extra shit to do that Mm -hmm. really what it comes down to is a bunch of animators thought that was really cool and yes turning off the symbolism brain. Oh yeah, that's really fucking cool. And yes, it was really well animated and it is one of the best animated scenes I have seen in any anime for a while. But yeah, in a show that's rife with symbolism and extra thinking and turning on your thinking brains, it is super important that we be careful of that shit. And that's where we yeah. get into that. We're trying to entertain a couple different audiences here. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm worried about that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. A hundred percent with you there. Um, because yeah, I, I, again, I do believe Isayama's intent is pure. It's just other people are going to take on to that stuff. And so with that in mind, you have to be very critical and very acknowledging of those past mistakes. And the fact that so many people online want to turn off their brains to have that discussion freaks me out yeah it's like super worrying that people wouldn't want to even critically examine that shit and it's like no that's perfect that's fine yeah it's troubling yeah lastly on the conversation of community outlook on the show and outside perspectives can we talk about fangirling and like 
best girl, best boy conversations because yeah, anime. Yes, we have to acknowledge that reality. Anime has best girls and waifus and blah, 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 blah. But in this show, you have to turn off that brain a little bit because the conversations around Historia and Eren and Eren and Mikasa are weird. Yeah. Like, there, there shouldn't be, like, any kind of, like, fanfic going on with this show. Like if you if you want to do a fanfic, maybe like Armin and Annie. But like, and, and I'm okay. I will say this: I do appreciate the people that want to write into the world a more wholesome reality, one in which uh, Aaron decides to not do what he does and live out a good real life with Mikasa. I'm fine with that. Do yeah. that. But anything that you try and justify after that after he makes these decisions whoa yeah like people like romanticizing his conversation with historia um when she's like yo i don't want you to do this like please it's like the bad side it's like it okay actually no it's still bad take the will smith conversation with like justifying him like you know being there for his wife, that man, old like Chad like conversation that goes on with that, and then amplify that to genocide. And that's what you're doing. That's what all the community is doing when they do that shit. Yeah. Just because it's wrong what they would have done to Astoria, it's also wrong for Aaron to do exactly what he did to the world because of that, if that's really the reason. Which it's not, yeah. it's not the entire reason. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not, it's not cute. You know, no. like no, none of that situation, not even the situation between Mikasa and Aaron is cute. Like it's, it's, this is a tragedy. And, like to to try and romanticize that idea of like let letting it I, it's just stop everyone please don't romanticize a megalomaniac who well, wants to to ruin the world and it's like this whole thing comes down to a conversation of like not understanding like who Aaron is, right? And not understanding like his obsession with freedom, like his absolute idolatry of freedom by taking other freedom. He only understands freedom in the context of of violence and it's been that way from the beginning like isayama has tried to tell you this multiple times and he feels trapped by it and there is a conversation that will happen i think at the very end being a manga reader i will not spoil it for anybody here who has not read the manga but i do think one of the, the biggest takeaways that we'll have at the end of it all is the conversation of 
did Aaron also want to free himself? And what does that mean? And how do you do that with the curse of Ymir and all that other stuff? We will have those conversations and I can't wait to have them, especially with you, mm-hmm. Ransom. I would love to hear what you have to say about it. Um, but I will say this. I don't believe that Isayama ever wanted to justify that Aaron doing this as a just cause, right? I think he only meant to put it in the context of somebody giving into apathy. Yeah, and not trying to seek a different way. And that's a conversation I think that we came out of with a, a little movie that we saw last night, Ransom, right? That's, that's true. It's easy for life to feel like a black hole and for the whole world to seem like an antagonist, the universe even, existence itself, unless you allow yourself to look into the small things. And there is a beautiful moment that will reference that for you, Ransom, and I look forward to your, uh, your opinions on that. Um, I mm. really do. Um, but yes, community troubling, right? With the whole fangirl, best boy, all that shit. It's like, this is an anime where you need to turn that off. Just like you said. Yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, read, read the room, un- understand connotations, you know, like, like you can do that stuff with Jujutsu Kaisen because it does like give like allow itself to have those moments of like ease and you know like but but this this is not that kind of show like this yeah jujitsu kaisen much... isn't trying to like talk about totalitarianism and uh and imperialism and uh moral supremacy and cultural supremacy over other people this show is and they're also doing that in a very, uh, and, and I would say um, sexual supremacy too, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not very prevalent and I wish there was a little bit more of it actually, but I do think there are moments where Isayama references that. Um, and I would say this too, I think the biggest mistake, and this is a perfect bridge into our second part, Historia. Ransom, let's talk about some characters here. How do you feel about Historia? Because I feel like she was one of the greatest assets this show had going in season three. Yeah. One of the best character arcs, incredible moments of self-discovery and self-reflection. And the moment when she says like, I don't care if I'm an enemy of the humanity. I don't care if I'm the worst girl in the world. And yet this very same person for her country that she loved oh so very much had a baby for them. Ransom, expand on that. I it's it's hard to even talk about Historia honestly because there's only like 3 episodes in in this entire season where she actually is like on like has dialogue and is on screen. Like she's constantly talked about, but like as far as hearing anything from her there's like three 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 moments in which i can think of that she's in this season and that's for both parts yeah i feel like her story 
you know, like Isayama was writing this character of a woman that was suppressed by society. And yet she made her be the, ex- the very exact like prisoner of it. Yeah. And it's shocking to me, especially when we get, again, I'm holding off certain things for the ending, but there's an ending in which she embraces a role and Jesus fucking Christ, it's pretty goddamn awful. Mm. And I, I don't know how to feel about it. Um, I, I mm. think Isayama shares a very Aaron-like mentality in one thing only, apathy. And I would argue, what did I hate most about Game of Thrones? They also surrendered to apathy with their characters. They don't believe they can grow. They don't believe they can change. I wasn't yeah. mad about Daenerys Targaryen. I was mad about all of the other characters around this person. There are, there are things you can see coming from a mile away. Aaron Yeager is the same way, right? It's the same kind of character, same kind of trajectory, doing similar fucking things. The problem is, what is the supporting cast doing and what are they learning from it? Mm-hmm. Historia is one of those failures for Attack on Titan, in my opinion. Do you believe that that's true? Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think the way in which she became written was just really f- fucked up because you, you, you have this, like, and it's, and it's not even that, like, you would have to change plot points but you don't even get her perspective on it. Like I would, I would even just rather like have any kind of sense of, of how she's feeling from what she's going through. Like there just feels like a very missing part there of like, how does she even feel? She's literally taking the role of Ymir you know, like Ymir, you literally, and Ymir tried to instill that in her. Like, she's like, you can't just surrender yourself to other people. Empathy yeah. without boundaries is fucking suicide. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like Isayama had this whole trajectory where she, he made that the thing for her. And then in the last act, Whipped yeah. it out from under the rug. And I think that this could have been easily changed if there was more time, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. We needed more Historia time to understand why she really chose what she did. Because it sounds like she was really in love with a woman and then suddenly decided to fuck a man because society told her to. And I don't like that at all. Well, and it even, it doesn't even like feel like it was her choice. no like the insinuation definitely feels like it's it was forced exactly she surrendered she gave into apathy too yeah okay yeah 100 percent. don't like that problem all right yeah cool let's do another character that we can talk about as problematic but in a different type of way flock are you out with flock ransom King I, I hate this character in <laughs> but every, like in a good way or a bad way. I hate this character in every sense of its being. I wish this character was never created. 
I wish this character. Wow. I. I think it's it's dangerous to create a character that feeds supremacy and inherits supremacy and doesn't even give the time to seeing that lead up because flock is is a very much like a like like he he is a portrayal of what happens when trauma is not dealt with it festers it builds and it creates an unhealthy and unstable environment for anyone who's trying to make a an a, a actual change flock is is the the creature under the bed of you know like mob mentality civil rivalry like un uncivil rivalry like this character is like has no good parts to him and it's it's only he's only met as like ah blah 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 i i'm fuck blah 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 and and there's not enough to show flock as this festering wound because obviously people are getting like are seeing this show and aren't getting it are seeing the show and are like hmm flock wow what a guy wait look at him coming back from from being the only one left alive in a suicide mission no don't that's not admirable what he's doing is not admirable he is creating an even more unstable environment than what he had to go through uh you know i i hear that i i do and i think this is one of the cases where it's seeing the reactions on twitter seeing the reactions online um that make me like get annoyed with it in the moment reading it uh experiencing it i think the character is super important and the reason why is because isiyama was trying to make a moment i think where a survivor of a war does exactly what you're saying they have no time to have self-reflection or thought on past trauma and they use that past trauma as an excuse to do terrible fucking things and it's because the world in which they live doesn't allow them to process it and deal with it right um i think that that's a very important part of this because they take him at the end of that season and they start writing him right away as aggressive lines after he survives that right mm -hmm. and he uses that that trauma as an excuse to have some type of moral supremacy over others and as soon right. as you see him in the 
uh, part one of season four, for example, he's right away justifying them blowing the fuck up inside of new liberia they're like yeah look at that devil out there man he's fucking awesome let's look at aaron yeager the devil as the exact thing we need to be he is the living embodiment of totalitarianism without any subterfuge he's brutally honest about it right he's not playing around and he's sincere right and so i think that isayama was intentful with that because He wanted to show a case where it's like, yep, this is totally what happens when you allow your nation to use this symbolism and idolatry and put them into power. Yeah. And so I think that that was intentful for him. It's just shitty that other people are being the very thing that Isayama hates. (laughs) They're literally becoming flock. Yeah. I I just wish there was more like connection to Aaron's character with Flock. Like because ultimately Flock is is the outcome of Ervin's mistakes. Well and he's the outcome of Ervin Smith's mistakes too. When you think about it, Ervin yeah. Smith always, always used uh, for as a justification in order to move them forward. Very harsh rhetoric. Yeah. Very harsh rhetoric. And I, this is where we really come down to a thinking man game too. People believe that Ervin Smith would have totally condoned and justified Aaron's actions every single step of the way. And I believe these people are insane. Ervin Smith would have not gone this far and he would have used a different tactical maneuver in order to find a new horizon. He would have, he would have been willing to do the attack on new Liberio, but I don't think he would have ever condoned Aaron's future action. One that flock did. And it's because he surrendered himself to that rhetoric and he, he didn't try and look for humanity outside of the walls. Ervin Smith was mm-hmm. always looking for humanity outside of the walls. When Ervin Smith discovered that, he would have changed his rhetoric absolutely, I think. I believe mm-hmm. that his rhetoric was justified only in the sense that he himself was thinking that there is a chance that we are the only humanity. I just am hoping that that's not the case. It's yeah. just that he never wanted to try and seek a different path. He has surrendered himself to the realities that were around him, his present conditions. Um, And, you know, this is the outcome. It always comes back around. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, interesting. Interesting. I don't, I'm definitely ransom. Not going to say that you're wrong for how you feel about flock. Um, I just would say like, I think I see it in the sense of Isayama's intent versus like the mob mentality of it, though that's definitely not to be ignored because I mean, if the mob isn't getting that, then did you do something wrong? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Uh, Coming up on that, um, a bridge character, I think that's worth talking about. Um, 
Commander Shadis. How do you feel about Commander Shadis? Uh, real quick. Um, well, can we talk about the? Can we talk about Shadis and um? Oh, what's his name? Oh, McGrath. Uh, yeah, can we, t- can we talk about them together? They are two sides of the same coin. Yes. Yes. And actually, no. They're really they're really on one side of the one coin. <laughs> they're yeah. the same person. It's just on different sides. Yeah. Like they. Yeah. Like they they are they are the the same kind of story arc where you know being tough on the next generation but also like not realizing that the next generation um if they want that that the change to happen they need to show that like support you know and that that affection they don't realize that until too late um and yeah i just like though those two characters and that moment between each other of like acknowledging the work and effort that they did um not as soldiers but as human beings and and acknowledging that like you know i I, just it's it's the mutual respect of like hey i see that you yourself have gone through a lot and have grown from that um and that's very admirable um shout out to that boat scene yeah no i i think uh i think it's a case in point of the reverse that we're talking about um instead of letting apathy take over we're looking at two teachers that have tried to instill some type of message inside of their their people that is both wrong and both right right um there are the Mm -hmm. failures of that message flock the rest of the cadets right the scouts became something very dark (laughs) through flock and flock is a part of shadis's teaching yeah magath right um wonder boy himself right he Zeke is definitely one of his students and he does not turn out so good. And there are so many other people under his command that he allows them to be a spouse hate, right? For example, um, his Lieutenant for the longest time, that fat dude, I can't even remember his fucking name, the Sergeant or whatever. Yeah, that guy yeah. was terrible. <laughs> not great. I mean, he, he was, Definitely sending uh, a bunch of Eldians to go die. And he was like, yeah, yeah, go go wash yourself clean of your sins by suiciding yourself on that train, all right? We're going to do yeah. it. And the thing that makes that character Magath different is that Magath still did believe in the citizens of New Liberia as people at the end of the day. And it seems like a few of his students turned out okay, just like Shadis. A few of his students turned out okay. And it's that thing of like, you know, teachers just try and teach as much as they can. And it's kind of up to their kids to take what messages they will out of them. You can't control them forever. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. And the moment where they kind of uh, entrust 
their future to the new generation. That's a beautiful message. Indeed. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, uh, let's see. Let's talk about the Marlion squad first. Mm. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk Annie. Let's talk. Let's talk Annie first. Okay. Where are you at with Annie? Annie, Annie's great. Um, yeah, I, I, th- this is a character that like for a long while, like all throughout watching the third season, I'm like, when is Annie going to come back? Yeah. Where like, is she? Where, What's where she at? Where's she at? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she comes back even better. Um, a character because I mean, she, she's been frozen you know for so many years and And her backstory is still a mystery until now yeah yeah and you you realize that this is a person that like had no choice to fight but she also is this very antithesis of what Aaron is um because yeah she was very like she went full in as far as yeah i'm going to fight for my 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 family my my home um and i like i don't care like who gets in the way but then you know changes that does a course correction after realizing the the people in which she's interacting with and realizes like this was a mistake like i'm i'm tired of fighting like and and i like i just want it to end yeah that's that's like oof well and and i think um you know annie is a character super interesting because um she for the longest time just did what she did because she had one dream right um, there's a thing that Isayama writes in about dreams and how powerful like one thought, one ideology can be, and it can allow you to do so many terrible things to get to that end. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the ends never justify the means. However, human beings are extremely fickle things. And once they latch onto a concept, it's hard to break out of it, right? Um, and there are concepts that can be good and some that can be bad. And for Annie, you know, even the simple concept of wanting to get home got warped by Reiner, as we see. Mm-hmm. Reiner's belief to get home was that they had to justify killing others in order to do it. And Annie allowed herself to believe that is the case. And now we see her learning from that reality because all it does is keep on spewing the same violence. Um, All of these characters have had to go through that similar trajectory. And we'll talk about the core one in a minute, but yeah, like Annie's the exact case of it. And I think the only difference between Aaron and Annie is that, you know, um, Aaron. Hmm. This is tricky. I think I think they're they're very is. similar. They're very similar. It's just Annie doesn't have 
the problem that Aaron does. Let's just put it that way. Well, uh, I think Same I think dream. the the issue is is like Aaron wants to fight. Like it's it's he was never forced to. He's always been that person. Yeah. Moving forward, yeah. It's, and it's he's always, been reactionary. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense a lot. Um, I think it's a perfect time to bring him up, Reiner. Uh, where are you at yeah. with Reiner? Um, I'm I'm hoping it stays this way, um, but I've I feel like Reiner has learned a lot about the healthy ways in which to be strong. Cause I think for him, like he, he definitely reflects this idea of what, like how toxic masculinity um, is, is created in, in the ideologies of war. Um and because like the whole backstory of you know them before uh the attack on on the the wall uh is him being the weak one you know him him being the the one that doesn't stand a chance and so he has to like prove himself be strong be the best yeah um and And he was told what what was his strength what was he told that it was his strength Oh, oh God! What, what was that? Um, do, do, I, I can help you out here. Yeah, what, it was what, his what belief was in Marley, right? His nationalism. Yeah, he was the um, he was the one that most believed in their cause. Yeah, and you you see this this even even from like way way in the beginning of the story you see this this change in rhina of like well the, this conflict you see this this conflict with rhina of with himself of like am i doing the right thing like what did we come here for you know like who am i supposed to be fighting um and all of this these things that he's built up in his head and told himself that he needed to do he's he's on unfocused you know like he's on he's unbalanced um because he doesn't know how to let in his compassion um and so you in in this final season you really do start to see that that him change that that conflict starts to to go away a little um because he now is is being a guide for a new generation and that kind of helps him without through his trauma as far as like okay like how how can i let out my compassion for someone um, and for people. And so I, I hope to see that develop more 
with this last bit um because yeah i think that's been a big thing with rhina is that like he's spent so much time so ingrained in this nationality in this toxic masculinity that he's he's built up in his head that now he's like how how do i how do i grow from here yeah, toxic masculinity in the sense of being a soldier too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, or in his case, uh, a warrior. Yeah. Right. Um, he was brought up to believe that being a warrior was everything, right? That it was the end all be all of his existence. And so when that was shattered, you know, um, he got close to, to giving in and he's the exact embody, embodiment of PTSD in the reverse sense. Flock, trauma to justify more brutality and brutality against his own. Mm-hmm. Reiner, uh, stuck in trauma, believed one thing to be one way, finally got out of that nationalism and that um, fascism and started to understand the reality of the world. And it's a slow process, because he's been learning a little by little every single step of the way. And we saw that even when he broke after he did what he did to Marco. And I think the scene in the woods with him and Jean, one of the most powerful moments, he had to sit down and accept and face the reality of what he had done and be honest about it. I think that that was a really important part for his character. Flock never wanted to accept that he was wrong. Reiner is accepting that. Yeah. And he started to do that too in the scene with him and Aaron, where he's like, like Aaron asks him, he's like, you know what started all this? And he's like, yeah. And I went in there and I killed your mom. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, very powerful stuff there. Um, and then, I'd like to talk about peak real quick too. Uh, where are you at with peak? Who do you think peak is? What do you think about her? That's a, that's a good question. Like she, she, she feels compassionate for the, the, the people that, you know, she knows. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure where to sit with her yet, but there's there's definitely this this sense with her of like i want to take care of the people that i love you know like she she does feel like a shelter for those people and so yeah i feel like there's definitely a chance for her to grow more um i i don't think i've seen it completely but yeah i don't I don't think, you know, and this is going to be like maybe a, a crazy thing, but I, I let me know if this is where you were going with this. Peak's super mid. I feel yeah. like Peak has been consistent throughout the entire show, and that's a good and a bad thing. On one yeah. side, I think she's always recognized that the treatment of Marlians is wrong. However, I also think that she's never once really tried to like or been forced into a position where she's like 
had to face like her sins, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. She's always been a helper and she's always been a caretaker in a sense. And so every step of the way, she's really just been this consistent person that fights for the people around her. And so I kind of find her really boring in the sense of like peak is peak and that's great. Yeah. She's like, all right. <laughs> but she's not peak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Um, now on the flip side of that coin, let's yeah. talk about a character who has had some of the best growth from the beginning now to the end. Gabby. What do you think about Gabby? Yeah. Um, the moments of realization that Gabby has um, are always like fucking gut wrenching. It feels, um, and I I like the way that she that her character has evolved the the story arc that she's developed because. Yeah, I do like the 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 sense that she like she doesn't become a titan, you know, like like she there's more to her her strength and there's more to her will than just becoming a titan. Um you know, even though like at the beginning she was like I'm going to be the next armored the next titan. titan. I'm going to, I'm going to take over Rhino, you know, you know, um, but now she's, she's like an actual character. Uh, that's like, Oh my God, I've gotten myself into too much because like all of this is, has been fed to me through a straw. And now I'm seeing it as the full glass and like it's a lot to take in all at once yeah yeah no i um i agree i i i am so happy that and and this is the thing that makes me so mad about people i think especially with attack on titan so many of them jump to fucking flocks defense and they never once want to acknowledge the trajectory and the character growth that Gabby has gone through because yeah. she killed our best girl, Sasha. Wait up folks. I've never seen a story in which somebody has become the very person they killed. She has become Sasha. Now she yeah. has embraced who Sasha was supposed to be a protector and somebody who's trying to learn to get kids out of the forest. And that's what Gabby's going to do now. Yeah. Like, that's powerful to me. And the fact that she rescued, uh, wow. Uh, the fact that she rescued Nia, it's just like, that was one of the most moving moments like I've ever had within anime. I've never yeah. seen anything that's ever gotten me to feel that type of a feeling. And I swear to God, uh, the English one, for some reason, it just doesn't hit. But the Japanese one hits every single time. And I cry. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for it. And I think it's because that despite being an enemy from a foreign nation, that she has understood who Sasha is through the eyes of these other people that have helped and broaden and expand her 
narrow worldview. And yeah. Sasha's father learning from him and him having the strength to stand up for his belief that in order to, to be a stronger person, you have to accept and embrace other people around you. Mm-hmm. is just super moving to me and you know she's somebody that comes from another nation another creed and she was able to break out of that and understand something from a personal emotional empathetic level and that's yeah that's super amazing to me and that's the thing like when we come down to where this ends up all going the question is like isiyama i think wants to try and believe in the best in humanity and just constantly gets reminded that we suck <laughs> And it's hard. It's really hard. It's yeah. really hard. I get it. I get it. Apathy in feeling like it's the end times and feeling like we don't deserve anything. It's super easy. But I'm glad that there's some part of Isiyama that wants to believe in us. And that is shown through Gabby. Mm. Yeah. Um, which, speaking of another one that I think shows the best of humanity, let's, let's talk about our, our best boy flock. Or not flock. I'm sorry. Wow. Falco. Falco. Thank you, Falco. Falco. Oh my God. Get that. Falco. 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 Ransom Falco. My boy. My God. Since the beginning. Since the beginning, man. He's just. He's. he's he's just always wanted to be someone who cares you know like it, it even even in the middle of a war goes out to save gabby goes out to save an enemy soldier who tells him that he's filthy and he doesn't want to be touched by him like but Falco, no matter what, has just kept on going and going and going, rolling with the punches. He's and, like and, oh, he's like, like the inverse oh. side of Aaron. Yeah. Like he he genuinely like wants to help. Like he chooses to help. Where Aaron chooses violence, Falco chooses to help. You know, and even even if that screws him over, he doesn't care because like he just like he he wants to to have the best in people, you know. He wants to see people reach their full potential. And I think that's why it's and and I, I think it's fitting, you know, that his name is Falco, like a falcon, and he as a titan looks very much like a like a falcon you know i it's great it's great i can't wait till we get further in the story (laughs) that's all i'll say about that i love falco he's gonna get even better good yeah falco just keeps falco keeps soaring if you will good (laughs) yeah um yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think I could have summed that up better. That's great, Ransom. I love it. I'm, I'm glad we're all on Team Falco. Um, though yeah. I do want to take a second to address it. Um, his brother. Yeah. Doesn't that all- scene just hurt? Like, knowing that he had to go through that trauma. But he's like, 
he didn't even remember it. Yeah. But it's still there. Yeah, I I can't I can't even imagine. I if if there comes a moment where like he does remember or like, you know, somebody tells him, "Ooh, I'm going to cry." I'm gonna, mm-hmm. that's going to hurt. Speaking of best boys, let's talk about the squad. Let's talk about the squad. All right. We all know who the mm. squad is. Let's start with mm. Connie. Where are you at with Connie? Connie um, has definitely had his ups and downs in this fucking um, this, this season. Oh, my God. Um, but I think he's on a better trajectory as far as like like knowing what he what is important um not to himself but to others um because yeah i think with losing his best friend sasha um with the constant pain and reminder of his mother um he definitely started going down that downward slope of like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I can for myself, you know, and like to help like make things better for myself. Um, And like, like he got so lost in that, um, that he was, willing to sacrifice a a child he didn't even know to have the chance to see his mom which is like it's it's understandable and it's tragic but you know it's it's also you know you then have armin come in and give him that reminder of like hey i don't want you to do this so if you feel like this is necessary then i'm i'll give it all you know? I'll be that person. I'll sacrifice yeah. myself. Yeah. And, and yeah, that like reminder, um, it is just, oof. And I, and I think that's, that is kind of the, the kick in the head that Connie needed to have, have that, that sensibility come back as like, right. There are other people in this world that more than me, you know, that are also affected by all of this. And I love that it's his own mother's wish for him. That is also what prevents him from doing what he does for his mom, which is that his mom asked him when he went out on this whole thing to be a good soldier. Right. Mm. And he must have been instilled with the idea that a good soldier wouldn't sacrifice kids and wouldn't sacrifice his best friends into, into Titan house. Yeah even if that mouth is his own mom to save. And I don't think his own mother would have ever wanted him to be like that too. So that also shows that Connie has a good sense of morality that has been helped instilled into him by his own family too. And there's an idea that, you know, a lot of goodness comes from being reminded from what other people are, are giving you that feedback. And, you know, that's important. Yeah. Um, Let's go with that to um, Armin. Armin, Ransom, where are you at with Armin this season? Armin. Hurts me every time, that, that, that boy. Um, 
especially this season because like i'm i'm very interested to see where his character goes but god is he having it rough you know like just the the he it's it's hard for him to to see any hope in this and there there are definitely a lot of moments that like really show that sense that he's like he's struggling to like know what the right move is you know after having so many times of like oh yeah we just gotta do this we gotta take a chance to do this you know like being the tactics person and coming out on top every time now he's having to face something even greater that you know he like he's he's fighting at with himself you know that that idea of like i don't even know if like i can i can beat this yeah no totally yeah um which speaking of uh mikasa how do you feel about mikasa right now that's another character that i think is in the same position with armin in the sense of like where is she going and what is she gonna do yeah um yeah her her character is tricky um and i feel like it's definitely been written as such lately um because i feel like she ultimately has more agency in this season than she ever did before but at at that same time like it's still very much like in the shadow of aaron's actions like the way in which they show her fighting you know is very much in in a in this kind of violent undertone um that i think i I think is is too much to show for a character i don't think it really fits all that much but i'm not I think the one thing that we we talked about before is the problem with Mikasa right now. And it's not yes. due to Mikasa, I think, in Isayama's intent. That yeah. scene again, when she like completely fucking owns that squad, that is not in the manga. That was an extra little bonus, little icing, quote unquote, in the cake, if you will, that mm-hmm. the animators put in for that. Um, and I think it definitely got that borderline of like, maybe this is a bit, Maybe this isn't becoming in the best of taste. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think that Mikasa is going to be a, co- a character we talk more about next season with the finale. Mm-hmm. Because I think the last final thing that Isayama wants to talk about in terms of like bondage and slavery and supplication is that of love. What mm-hmm. is it to truly love someone? And what is it to truly be free when the person that you love is going to do something so incredibly heinous? Yeah. So that is where we come down to. Like, are you going to be trapped by love in the sense of even if they do something so wrong like that, will you give in? Or do you still have enough self-agency to preserve who you are and remain who you are in order to 
stop that from happening. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it. It's a growing one. Though, I did want to save him for last because I think our best boy, Jean, had a lot in this season. Part two of season four was a lot of great Jean moments, I think. Uh, where are you at oh, with Jean? Yeah, I, I feel like... Like John starting out um, in in this story was very much like oh yeah like it'd be cool to be in the MP you know like he starts apathetic yeah yeah he starts very much as like oh I'm just gonna you know go up in the ranks and then I'm gonna have a nice fruitful life you know like um, but as the story goes on like he realizes what war is he realizes like what it means to fight um to and lead. it's not something that's that's glory like it's not something to reap from it's not something to reward yourself on it's an unnecessary part of life um that sometimes you have to take part in you know especially if it means um you know someone going against all that you've learned to believe in um and yeah god there there are so many moments in this of jean constantly battling with himself and with his trauma but he's he always takes it to himself you know like he doesn't lash it out to like the people that he loves like there are you know moments in which he does lash out to Rhina um but there is this you know conversation that then happens when they're they're leaving for uh at the in the day of like I can't forgive you, you know, but like we, we need to do this. Like we, we, we need to fight this. And like, there's, there's this kind of acceptance of like, it's good not to fight you anymore. You know, and this comes down again to another great moment of like good people having their imprints on others and you know i remember like when we watched season one marco's death you were like what the fuck right comes out of nowhere all the way down now being where we're at how incredible right marco's impact on jean and seeing jean still embrace marco's who he was to this day and still live mm -hmm. up to what Marco had thought of Jean. Yeah. And we see it fully in that scene where we get him lead the entire squad to take out those Titans. Yeah. He was exactly the man who Marco envisioned him to be, not because he was somebody, a mega amazing Mikasa or Levi or an incredible tactician like Armin or Ervin. 
he was them and he knew what it was to be them and to understand that and still have the courage to move to to be a person right Mm -hmm. and i think through marco he learned what it was to embrace others and to care for others like marco had done and so yeah i think i think marco lives on to this day and that's a beautiful thing yeah and so yeah that's how that's how we we obtain true immortality in that sense by being good fucking people and one small thing at a time leaving something better behind Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah good stuff Outside of the squad, let's talk about the vets. Levi, Hanji. I think they're kind of tied together, so let's talk about them together. Yeah. Um, gosh, I they have been so sidelined in a sense from this season. Um, but that's it's it's because yeah, they are part of that like kind of middle ground of of advancement you know like they they are nearing the those you know that era for them where it's you know the they don't know how much they have left in in themselves um and but they they constantly are like willing to do what it takes to push forward and progress, but they do it. Interesting that you use that word. Yeah. That phrase. They they do it in a different way though. Um, You know, where we see Levi and Hanji do a lot of fighting in, you know, the first few seasons, this one, the fighting that they're doing is with their words and their actions rather than with any kind of equipment or tools. Well, and it's interesting that they're the scouts, right? And yet Hanji and Levi were forced into a position where they have to be defensive. Yeah. And I think one of the most moving moments, and I'm not sure if you're going to mention this eventually or not, but that tear that she sheds when she's out in the woods, shooting down the scouts. Yeah. Yeah it's it's sad yeah because it's it's everything that they've known has been upended um and yeah it's the scouts are no longer the same scouts that they knew um and everything has changed for them um and it's it's hard not to look back and be nostalgic for the people that they fought side by side with um but yeah had them having to sacrifice a lot um to to in order to to keep progressing um towards ervin's Air, vision um i think is is that still rings true for them yeah, and I and I, I think it's interesting too. Um, you know, I'm 
I think they are also two people that are going to have a little bit more upcoming. Um, each of them have a moment to me in the final parts coming up ahead. I will say this, that will stick out into my mind forever. In particular, Levi gets a panel that is just so incredibly powerful. Um, it's like, it's, it's very cheesy, but in the best ways. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that for once we get a Levi that has to rely on others to be protected. Yeah. So we'll see how that moves forward uh, with that. Um, okay. Two big characters to talk about. And then I think we've kind of gotten to a point where we're ready to just talk about where you are expecting this thing to go. Yeah. Let's talk about Zeke. <laughs> Zeke. Yeah. Were you out with Zeke? Um, very, very interesting character. Um, because he's spent his whole life believing one thing about his father and it actually being not quite what he thought. And so all of the, the, the emotions that he's put into have been based on what has been manipulated by... Projected. It, yeah, and projected by others um, in Marley. And for him to have that moment of like... Of... of reconciliation with his father and for his father to give him that acknowledgement that he's been seeking um you you definitely see this this last instant um with zeke as like i've been fighting this all wrong um you, you know like and while he still is very much like yeah gotta get rid of of gotta let the the euthanasia um, yeah gotta let us die out um you you definitely can tell that there's this more of this confliction with himself than than before of like how how do i even approach this like i still am very much like committed to it but it's he definitely takes this this kind of second take about things and i think that's what uh ends up kind of being his his fault is that he underestimates the amount of experience that Aaron has gone through. Um, well, I mean, he, he believed him to be like a, a quote unquote, a sucker, right. Kind of thing. Yeah. And that arrogancy uh, becomes his undoing. Mm-hmm. Right. But he also gets a reality check on the arrogancy he had for his father. Like yeah. you were saying, um, and I, I find that 
we live in a time frame where like a lot of us in this generation have come to really try and look at our father figures in a different way and kind of embrace, you know, masculinity and what it is to be a father, I think in a different way. Right. But to also acknowledge like who our fathers were before us. Right. And the positions they were stuck in and trapped by and shaped by. And I do look at this as a moment where I constantly think, you know, it's a reminder for me to constantly think about like, you know, did I, did I know my dad? You know, did we know our dad? And, you know, it always gives me pause this, you know, there, maybe there was something we never knew, you know, maybe. So there's something we never got. And I just think it's super powerful that, even despite all the chaos of this time and this war that they're, that's going on that. And I think it's important when we talk about the next character, Aaron allowed a small measure of comfort and growth for his brother by allowing him to experience that moment with his father. And I think that's super powerful. Yeah like even beyond space and time that there was still that connection and that hope that his father loved him and having that acknowledgement was incredibly powerful to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, very interesting. Do you, I guess that'll be more of a question for after this, but you know, do you think that Zeke has learned something out of all this? Yeah. Do you think um, his opinions have changed? Wherever he is now? Yeah, I don't, I don't even I don't even know. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, after after you Aaron, know, I, it's like, so what did happen to him? Yeah. He's just kind of chilling on, on the floor somewhere. He's just like, you'll find out. I'm just gonna lie here for now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you'll find out. But do you do you think his opinions okay. would have changed a little bit? Oh, I think I definitely think he um he's come to recognize that he's not like it's not a a I th- I, th- I think he's come to acknowledge that it's not necessarily bad to be a um uh titan you know like a but you know do you think that zeke is a character like so many others that has been stuck in the position of so many warring agendas that he's never had time to actually be himself oh yeah like he doesn't even know who he is yeah no i yeah it and i mean that that's what makes him the beast titan you know like he's he has been used um all all of this time by marley as the um you know the the boy wonder the you know the um marley's greatest weapon um and he's always 
kind of looked past being used as that as an excuse for him to get revenge on his father. Well, and I think too, like um, he is a person that's been used by other people's agendas Mm -hmm. and he's taken on other people's agendas for him, his own self. And so I don't think he understands what it means to truly live, to truly be. And I look forward and I hope they get it right. I hope they fucking nail it. I will say, I think he has one of the most profound statements by Isayama in the next season. Mm. One of the most, one of the most Mm. profound. And uh, it is a message that was shared again. God damn, I can't keep relating him, but I I just, I can't help help it. I can't help it by a movie we watched last night, right? Sometimes just being is enough. And I can't wait to talk further about that. Mm. All right. Aaron discussion. I think really what I want to know from your opinions about Aaron um, is do you think Aaron is free? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No, he uh, I, I think of, I think freedom to him is a warped sensibility because he he doesn't understand um how to be independent of his own self because he's he's so locked in to the memories of his father and you know the, the looking forward um you know like you you, there's no way that you can be free if you're trapped in by those, by the past and the present. Or, yeah, he's yeah, the he's been shaped by violence his whole entire life. Like that's the only way he knows how to interact and to make any amount of change. And I think there's that side of it. And I think there's also this other side of it, right? The curse of Ymir, I believe, in my opinion, is a very symbolic allegory to the curse of anybody's forebearers in the sense of writing past injustices and having that rage built up inside of you i think aaron is the embodiment of all of our rage at the injustices that we feel every day and instead of putting them into a coordinated or holistic function and working with others he sought himself to take upon all of it all of the rage all of the anger and unleash it back on to the world. And so that is really what he is. He's humanity's rage and yeah. anger and pain. And it's just coming back to all of us tenfold. I don't think Aaron is a protagonist. 
No. And I don't think he's ever been one. Um, we believe protagonists to be the person who moves the plot forward. Have you ever thought of Aaron moving the plot forward? Or has he simply been a reacting plot line to everybody else's agendas that have been put upon him and he's then thus reacted? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would only... I... I would only say in the sense of like being that it's, it's done in his perspective, I would call him a protagonist at the beginning of the story. Um, But protagonist in no way, shape or form means Paragon, Um, which is what I think. Well, and I think that's, that's what people get so messed up with um in in this story i mean even in in um books you know classics like dante's inferno you know like he's not a paragon um you know and that's that's the 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 point um that yeah aaron is set as the as as the protagonist um to to show and and signify how these things keep on cycling you know like and it's it's not justified yeah but it's it's all of the allowances that people give his character because they believe for him to be uh the protagonist you know the well, one think, to carry the weight yeah i think um i think when anybody creates a complex of themselves being atlas you invite disaster yeah one person to hold up the weight of the world the weight of your dreams the weight of it all only can lead into one outcome collapse you know and that's what he is that's what he is he's he's been pushed to a point where he believes himself the only one capable of moving to the next step whatever that is and i think when we talk about the things to come and this will be a great lead into the last part of our discussion is I want to make sure that everyone understands that I don't believe Aaron is a active character. I don't think he has agency anymore. And that is akin to this concept in philosophy that drives me absolutely bonkers. And that's why I'm not a libertarian anymore. One of the biggest things when you are faced in philosophy is this uh, three-sided paradigm. So in one sense, you can be, if you're on a crashing train, for example, and you know the train is going to crash, you're given two options. One is to crash into one person, right? And thus save the crowd. And then the option uh, B is to crash into the crowd 
and not kill the crowd, right? And then mm. the third choice is to simply let Jesus take the fucking wheel and let the train go wherever it goddamn pleases. And libertarians believe this to be the accurate choice. These are all false premises. Yeah. You shouldn't be on the train to begin with. We have been brought to a point in which we believe these are the only options and we're forced into a position of being that these are the options. And I would say Aaron is option C. He's simply allowing himself to be the reactionary force of all the pent up rage that we've brought into ourselves. I mean, for God's sakes, like we just put in Titans as a, a very overt allegory to the atomic bomb with the beginning of episode four, right? They were literally human bombs. They were used as human bombs. And so yeah. now we see the weight of the mutually assured destruction coming to its fullest conclusion, right? And so we're all being blown up and destroyed together, right? Um, that That's not right, though. That should never be right. That should never be into a position where that is made to be the case. And so... I would like us to think about Aaron in this context um, going forward, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think he is one to sympathize with necessarily. And when we talk about empathizing with him, I think you have to understand that he has himself surrendered. Yeah. Ransom, where do you think this is going? Um, yeah, I... It's definitely going to a tragic place. Um, my hope is that, yeah, they. I feel like the the these first two halves were allowing a last chance um, for Aaron to. be something better than he was you know that be but now with the end of this part it's definitely a full out okay there's nothing left to empathize with aaron aaron has chosen his his fate his decision and has put upon others his fate and decision and so he's no longer a, a a human being he has become the very entity that he wanted to destroy and so yeah i i'm hoping that yeah the this last part is acknowledging like no, Aaron is no longer a good person. There is there is no good left in him. He chose not to be a good person. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, he always had a choice in, in a sense. It's just that he gave up that choice. Yeah. And that's an interesting point because he's the man that's always supposed to be Mr. Fucking Freedom. And I want to think about that here too, is that what is freedom? A lot of people are going to put into this really shitty allegory 
that we always put in when we talk about like war and troops and armies coming home, right? About like, well, freedom's never free. No fucking shit. But why is this acceptable? Why is this the recourse that we always have to put ourselves in? Why do we believe that we have to fire off a gun in order to have any semblance of self-autonomy? Yeah. And when we equate freedom with weaponry and violence, then yes, this is the only outcome that we can always only perceive. So we can't do that anymore. We can't believe that freedom is based upon the point of a gun or a knife or a fist. It's not enough anymore. And if it is, then maybe we all deserve to be blown up. But guess what? I don't believe that to be the case. And so I'm going to not be that person. And that's where I think we come into at the end of all this thing. I hope everyone takes along that message that we all have a choice to be better and a choice not to do this. Even despite harsh survival-like circumstances. I don't think Isayama is telling you to go bow down and let yourself be killed. But I don't think he's saying that in order to make a just world, that you should ever try and justify doing that to others. Because if you do, then the cycle will always repeat and it will never end and it will never stop. Um, I look forward to us talking more about that in the future because I think the biggest question is, did they try and redeem Aaron? And I am curious to see what you think about that. Yeah. Do you do you think that if they have an attempt at that, that you would ever buy it? I don't know. I don't think I would. I I think there are a lot of chances for redemption in these first two parts, and I'm hoping that's why they separated it into three parts. Uh. But yeah, I think I think from from here on out, I think if they tried to give any sense of like empathy back to Aaron or like a sense of redemption, I wouldn't. Buy it. Last question: Do you trust that they're going in the right direction? I I don't know yet. Okay, that's fair. That is very fair. And I'm kind of glad that you don't have the blind optimism there. Um, Because one would also say, if you have that blind optimism, don't you become the very thing that we're trying to talk against here in that sense? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ransom, for talking with me about this. I'm, I'm excited to see, hopefully, that they nail it in this next coming part. All the pieces come together and, you know, we get this moment that we see a story that has this really um, shocking imagery that makes you think a little bit more about trying to not let that happen in real life, right? Yeah. Um, I really think that's an important message today and I hope people get that out of it. 
I can only try and hope in the best for us and swear to God that people on Twitter are not the majority of people. Please let that not be the case. So, but thank you so much for tuning in this week to yet another Worthy Watchers Weekly. Uh, Next week, we'll be back on the Peaky Blinders path like we talked about. So be sure to like, comment, uh, get in with your friends below. Hopefully they're not all crazy fucking people, right? No more of them, please. But if you are a person that doesn't like uh, never-ending warfare in the world, comment below and let us know. <laughs> and let your friends in on it too. Uh, email at us, worthywatchers at gmail.com or shout us out at Facebook or Twitter at worthywatchers. Um, we always appreciate hearing from you guys. So let us know what you think about where this is all wrapping up. All right, Ransom, it's been a blast. So I will see you next week on another Worthy Watchers Weekly. See you then.